Good evening, and welcome to the Remarkable Essence Podcast. I am Don Loney-Kazi, your host. Surviving childhood trauma can impact our lives when we become an adult. Many may not know that we have the power to overcome those obstacles and not allow them to keep us in bondage. That brings to mind Booker T. Washington's words, if you want to lift yourself up, lift up someone else. Tonight, we are going to discuss how our special guest has triumphed through tribulations as she shares her story. Samantha Scott is a singer, songwriter, and author of If a Tree Falls in the House. Since a young age, she has had a passion for praise and worship to help lead people into the presence of God through song. Over the last 10 years, she's traveled all over to sing at large events and conferences. Sam desires to help people find freedom through the power of her testimony. Her mission and philosophy is to empower others to find healing and restoration. Sam is also a devoted wife, loving mother of three, and is a certified as a youth leader in the city of Atlanta. She is my sister in Christ, and I'm so excited to have her join us here this evening. So let's welcome Sam. Woo! Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I can't complain. <laughs> amen. Amen. Well. well, like I said, I'm it's so excited. I'm glad you took some time out of your busy schedule to be able to speak with us about your book yes. and uh, just a bit about your testimony. And yes. so let's just jump right into it. I know it. our I'm listeners excited. are going to be excited. <laughs> So let's just talk about the title of your book, If a Tree Falls in the House. Can you tell us uh, just how you came up with that title and, and what it signifies? Well, the, the amazing thing, I love this title so much. And it actually was not the original title. Um, the original title that I did have was Beauty for Ashes. And then as I began to write the book, um, it just kind of fell on me. It just kind of fell. It was just something that just stuck on me. Um, there was a theory um, before, and there was a study on if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around, does it still make a sound? Is there still a sound made if there's nobody there to process the waves or the sound that comes in? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes. Regardless if somebody's there or not, it still makes a sound. So I just kind of correlated that with my situation that happened to me as a, you know, as a young um, person, you know, when trauma hit my house, when molestation hit my home, it seems that nobody saw it, nobody caught it, nobody was aware of it, but the effects still happened, the shame still came, the insecurity still came, the humiliation still happened. So all of these things still occurred um, in, 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 you know, in the process of, you know, whether somebody saw it or they didn't see it, all these things still happen. So if a tree falls in the house, basically summed up, you know, all together is if something happens in your home or something happens behind closed doors and nobody's there to witness it, nobody's there to console you or to help you, the effects are still there and it still happens and they still need to be dealt with. Ooh, so, that is yeah. deep. And, and yeah. I could definitely you know, relate to the tree falling in the forest. And like you said, it, it could be so loud, but no one yeah. could, would ever hear it, right? Um, yeah, and so absolutely. a lot of things do happen, especially in our community behind closed mm -hmm. doors. And um, now we're, luckily we're shed, shedding light on it because we know that's what the enemy wants. He, he wants right. us to be silent, but guess what? That's right. We are to be a light 
in the midst of the That's darkness, right. right? So absolutely, Amen. Yeah. So, um, how? Just tell us a bit about how did you keep silent and what was happening? You know, behind the closed doors, we're you know we're being transparent here because we absolutely. know you're here to help people, and so just give us a little background of what was going on. Well, actually, um, for those that haven't read the book or anything, you know, this is basically about, you know, me being molested um, by my stepbrother who was in our home um, half of the year throughout the year. And during those times that he was there, I was being molested, um, sexually molested um, by him. And in those times where I was being molested, I was so young. And when something like this happens to you so young, it's so hard to process. Um, You know, it's wrong. Um, You become ashamed very early, but... It, it was very, it was a very torn place for me as a as a young person, as a kid, as a child, because I still loved my brother because it was my brother, mm-hmm. um, and so it was very hard to process him doing these things to me, and um, you know it was just the the effects of it were so heavy, and I was so scared to not only for myself, get myself in trouble. Also, I didn't want him to get in trouble. So I was so torn as a child, um, you know, being sexually molested, you know, it's a wrong thing, you know, it's inappropriate. But when something like that happens to you in your home, it's almost like you get paralyzed with fear. And then the shame comes creeping in, it comes rushing in. And then all of a sudden, you're just silent, you become silent, you become and that's one of the significant things about the cover of my book, as well as the tape over my mouth, because I felt frozen. I felt like I couldn't say anything. I felt like it was unbelievable. I felt that there was no way to even say that. How could you tell your mom or your dad that this is happening in your home by somebody that is a family member? So, yeah. you know, it was it was very hard to break my silence at that time because shame had already stepped in and it was just too hard to process, you know, in my own mind. Yeah. So was there yeah. a certain, I guess, place and time where you realized things something wasn't right and and probably your attitude started to change towards you know in a negative manner um I guess kind of that age of knowing because like you said as a child you know it's not right yeah but it's like okay well when do I say something do I ever say something or do I even notice something different about me right right absolutely yeah I would say like towards probably like around nine, like eight or nine years old, like my whole just demeanor, like I was a very um, bright child. Like I love to smile. I love to laugh. I love, I was just very vibrant when I walked into the room. I had a very big personality, but I saw myself withdrawing. I saw myself trying to hide behind people and I didn't want to shine anymore. I didn't want to be the center of attention anymore. I didn't want any of that. I didn't want any attention on me because I knew what I was carrying. And so I began to see myself become, carry on these traits that I wasn't born with. I began to become shy. Um, I was very reserved. I was very, um, just insecure. I was very timid when I was around other people because I, it was almost as if people could see the shame on me. You know, when p- people looked at me, I felt like they could see what was on the inside, what was happening, the mm-hmm. turmoil that was happening on the inside of me. So I would shy back and I would hide behind things and I would hide behind people. Um, so I, yeah, at a very young age, I'd say about eight or nine years old, that's when my personality began to change and just my whole being just began to change who I was. Um, so it was it was hard trying to process all of that and begin to grow as an adolescent um it really changed the way that I thought the way I looked at myself the way self-image all of that it definitely changed yeah so you said you started seeing the change and and part of that change 
was an eating disorder that you just yeah. started, uh, you know, I guess trying to cope with what happened yeah. or what was happening. And so you can you tell us just a bit about that and kind of how yeah. you respond. And I don't want to I don't want you to tell too, too much because I want people to get the book because you got to get the book. Really, the heal, a lot of the healing comes from actually understanding, like you Absolutely. said, all the ins and outs of things you went through. But we're just doing some high level, you know. Um, yeah. explanations here. So, so yeah, yeah can you talk absolutely. a little bit about that? So around the age of, it was about 10, maybe 11 years old, that's when I developed an eating disorder. And like I said, just the effects of the shame and just the heaviness of being molested as a child, it just kind of blurred my vision of myself. And I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to feel normal. And from the moment that I began to get sexually molested, I just didn't feel normal. I didn't feel like I fit in. I just didn't feel like me. I lost myself at a very young age. And so I was trying to find me. I was trying to fit in and I was trying to blend in um, and just look like everybody else. So I, de- mm-hmm. I developed an eating disorder around the age of about 11 years old and um, because I had started emotionally eating as a young child because I was trying to suppress all of the feelings and all of the shame. So I found myself eating more and more. And so because of that, I was um, gaining weight as a child. So as I was coming upon my preteen years, I just, I hated myself. I hated the way I looked. I hated the way that, you know, my clothes are fitting. And this is very young to even be having these feelings, you know, for 11 years old, this shouldn't even be a concern. So I just, every time I looked in the mirror, I just saw something that I didn't want to see. And I got desperate for change. And instead of going about it doing the healthy way, you know, I resorted to having an eating disorder. So I developed, which was anorexia and also bulimia. So I actually would be times where I wouldn't eat at all. And then there would be times when I would eat. And then after I eat, I would purge. And this was a cycle that happened for years and years. Um, And I didn't know, little did I know that there was a plot of the enemy um, trying to take me out. I was literally Mm -hmm. killing myself and I didn't even know it. I wanted so desperately just to look a certain way, thinking that that would be the answer to my problems. If I just looked good enough that nobody would know, nobody would know the things that were going on the inside. You know, I could fool everybody that, you know, as long as I look good, as long as I'm skinny, as long as I can wear this or, you know, be this, then nothing else will matter. And that was a complete lie from the enemy. Yeah. And, and it's amazing how you explain how you fluctuated from, for one point you were overeating to yeah. where, you know, then you totally Absolutely. switched right to where you were more, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with anorexia and, and bulimia, you know, yeah. Um, and yeah. like you said, how you really wanted to be accepted. And, and I think that's what a lot of our probably, you know, people may that may be listening, maybe dealing with is that they're trying to be accepted in society and, and they might not even um, have gone through that childhood trauma, but something may have right. happened or something may be going on in their life that they feel they right. need to do, you know, one thing or another to feel, you know, accepted. And yeah. so... That's the key, right, is that we want them to be able to overcome the shame or overcome Absolutely. that hatred or, or overcome trying to be sometimes like somebody else. And, and yes. I think also that's the process of, of acceptance as well, right, um, and, and wanting to just be loved, essentially, yeah. wanting to be heard, uh, like right. you said, and, and hopefully having someone to talk to and be able to reach out to. And yes. let them know something is wrong, even if it's, you know, counseling, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being able to speak about it 
is sometimes a big step. And it sounds like that was a big step for you. And so how did you get to that place where you were able to finally talk about it or even tell somebody about it? And I know sometimes it's been years. Like I remember Don Lemon, um, you know, from CNN talked about how Mm -hmm. he was sexually molested at a young age. And, um, and it took him like, I think to the age of 30 or so till he finally told his mother. Right. So different people, have different things um that they just and they might not have ever talked about it right right but sometimes they keep those things inside and they just try to self-heal yes. um over time uh but yeah how did you end up actually talking to someone about it or being able to be well, open you know the funny thing about this is that I believe the reason why this book carries so much healing is because so much healing flowed out of me as I wrote the book and honestly I didn't tell my mother, I didn't tell my father, I didn't tell my sibling um, until actually I was finished with the book. Wow. And which was two years ago. Um, you know, I finished writing the book and it was still a secret. It was still something that nobody knew. And so as I was writing the book, you know, I was able to, you know, move through some emotions because it's so funny how when we think we're healed and we think we're delivered and we think that, you know, we've gone through the things that we needed to go through. And then there's a little layer that God pulls back and he goes a little deeper and he pulls for those hidden things. And so I believe that's what happened, you know, when, as I was writing this book, that there were things that God was pulling back, he was pulling back another layer, you know, he was digging a little deeper. He was finding those hidden places. And that's why I feel like there's so much healing that flows from this book. And so I spoke with my mother and I spoke with my father and I let them know, you know, that I was writing a book and, you know, and I actually explained to them what it was about, you know, it was, such a breakthrough moment because God had already touched those places of hurt. He's already healed those places of shame. And I I was able to share this with them, not from a place of hurt or brokenness, Mm -hmm. but from a place of healing. Um, So it was a beautiful thing. Of course, there were tears shed and there were emotions there, um, but it was definitely a a place of healing. Uh, I was able to tell them from a healthy place, from a healed place Mm -hmm. versus um, a broken place um, and a shameful place. And 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 as you said, as you were writing, the healing was going through the writing. And I know that's one important thing that you can do is sometimes if you can't talk about it, if you can't reach out to someone, just to write down those thoughts and and journalize it. Uh, At least you're seeing it on paper. At least you're getting it Mm -hmm. out of you one way or another. Right. And so journaling or just being able to write those thoughts down or those feelings down definitely makes a difference and I know even some people may do it through music you know through song and and of course you being a vocalist uh we'll get there in a minute but that's that's (laughs) one area that God was able to start moving you know through your life as well um, which is awesome awesome Mm -hmm. so that brings me to my next question how did Mm -hmm. worship change your life because we know it was by your relationship with God that the healing had to start yeah. right, and even I Absolutely. think sometimes we block things that happen because we don't want to, we don't want to relive them, right? No, so it's kind of yeah. like having that scab and then peeling it off, and <laughs> having a scab, yeah. and then, you know, you keep picking at it, and it's like it's a okay, cycle. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. a cycle. So, yeah. uh, just how how did you, you know, through your worship and through man, through worship. Your Listen, I'm telling you, it's, it's a worship. You know, a lot of people think, you know, worship is just a song or it's the slow song during the service mm-hmm. or, 
you know, it's that part of the service, but worship is for me. And, you know, I say this not lightly whatsoever, but worship literally changed my life. It literally took me, and I talk about it in the book because you have to go get the book to really understand what I'm saying. But yes. there was a time in my life where I would go hide in trees. I would love to climb trees when I was a little girl, and that was my escape. So I would climb these trees and I would hide from my brother. I would hide from the, what was going on around me, and I would sit up high in the tree and I would sing. And, you know, you know, I've always had a relationship with God. My mom raised me, you know, in Christ to have my own relationship. So as I got older, you know, worship became my outlet. At one point in time, it was the tree for me. It was me going up high and it was me, you know, trying to escape what was happening. Worship brought me straight to it. Worship made me face what was happening in my life, not escape it. But worship led me, number one, to the feet of Jesus, where Jesus met me in all of my shame. He met me in my pain. He met me in my insecurity. He met me with an eating disorder. I didn't feel like I had the change in his presence. I felt like I could just bring everything to him in his presence. And that was the point of the great exchange. You know, it was in his presence where he took my shame and he exchanged it, you know, for love. He took, you know, my pain and he exchanged it for his joy. So it was the great exchange that happened in my life that, that really changed me. It was the worship. It was the lifestyle of worship, you know, saying, God, I don't, I don't want to carry this anymore. And I brought it to him in his presence. And that's where my healing began. Mm, right there. Right I there. don't want to carry this anymore. Mm. Mm. Total surrender. Total surrender. Yes. And then he just starts pouring in. And it's amazing how he used your voice. (laughs) It's amazing. You said you used to go up in in the trees kind of like, my thing is I love to fly. I love to get on planes. And so it's just something to be up in the air that high, especially above the clouds. And and Mm. if you're going and you're taking off, and you're going through all this turbulence and, you know, everything is rocky. And my thing is yeah. just like, just get above the clouds. Just get above the clouds. Because <laughs> I know once the pilot gets us there, hey, we're, we're good, you know. Right, but, right. But yeah, I could, I could definitely relate to how you're saying it, could t- it takes you to a higher place. And that's what worship yes. does, right? Yes. It, it helps us know that regardless of what's going on around us, it takes our eyes off the storm. And That's totally it. on God and Jesus, right? That's it. Um, That's and, it. and helps us be focused and centered in that space. And it's like you have a sense yes. of peace and, and everything else just comes in into place. So it's just like we're mm-hmm. aligned and um, yeah, and everything flows from there. Like you said, that's where the healing flows and the deliverance. Right. And that's where the shame and anything that tries to, you know, insecurity, any of those things, mm-hmm. they are just um, totally taken away. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. So was forgiveness part of your healing um, process? Like, I know that that would be I know the first thing is I would be mad as I don't know what. I don't know how your parents mm-hmm. felt that they probably just want to go yeah. after, you know, right. I mean, what, what was <laughs> what was happening there? Yes. I mean, healing was the first thing that took place. And like I said, you'll you'll get all the details and all of that when you actually read the book. But healing Mm -hmm. was like one of the first things that God dealt with me about, about forgiving uh, my brother. You know, I had to Mm -hmm. forgive um, him first off. And, you know, I had to forgive myself. You know, I had to forgive myself for so many years. I carried the weight of why didn't I say anything? Why didn't I stop him? Why didn't I put a stop to this? Why did I let it go so long? You know, so I carried the shame and I carried responsibilities in my own heart. So I had to, number one, forgive 
you know, the person that did it to me. And then I had to forgive myself. And mm. so when it, when I begin to forgive myself and I begin to work through all of that and I really sincerely, and I'm not talking about that false forgiveness and when you see a picture of them or you see them or you hear their name, you kind of cringe. I'm talking mm. about that forgiveness where I've let it go and I'm, I'm God is healing me and you're, you're really completely healed. Like when you look at them or you see them or you hear about them, you're not getting this feeling on the inside. You're not, you know, thinking these negative thoughts, but you know, the moment that I made a decision, because it wasn't something that just, oh, I forgive them. And it was a decision. I had to make a decision to say either I'm going to truly forgive him and I'm really going to forgive him and, and, and move past this and really get my healing. Because I believe that healing can't flow if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart. I feel like you you truly can't be healed. You truly can't, you know, be delivered if you're holding on to unforgiveness. So I knew mm -hmm. that that was the first thing that I needed to do was forgive him and forgive myself. So. yeah that is so powerful and yeah. and I know that's difficult very very difficult to do yeah. and can be yeah I mean um even some people they say oh you look at me the wrong way and and they'll remember yeah. 10 years ago you looked at me the right. wrong way <laughs> like, what? I'm telling you I'm telling exactly. you exactly yeah, yeah, so it's like when somebody does something either detrimental yeah. to you or to your family, like you say, somebody yeah. that you truly um, love, then uh, yeah. like you say, I mean, and I think it's I think it's the reverse. Some people might say, "Well, why do you got to forgive yourself? You're not the one that did it, right. did anything to you. You know, was it your right. fault?" But like you said, as a child, you don't you know what's right and, and wrong, but mm -hmm. you you're still growing, right? You're still maturing. Exactly. So yeah. sometimes you don't know the extent of how did it really impact me? How did exactly. I really suffer or what things may have suffered, you know, later on in life. And, and yeah. that's one thing, right. Um, that, yeah. like I said earlier, some people don't deal with the, what in childhood. So when they get to adulthood, they have this certain demeanor or they have this certain way yeah, about absolutely. them or they yeah, may have infidelity absolutely. in a relationship or they may have, uh, you know, an issue with alcohol or drug abuse. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, where some of this stems from, right, you know, right. and it's because they never dealt with the trauma back, you know, so um, when they were a child. It's so good. And I actually talk about that. There's a chapter in my book that talks about surrender over suppression. And that's one of the things that I talk about is that for so long, I try to suppress it. I try to just push it down try to, you know, make it disappear, you know, try to move past it in my own will. And, you know, I talk about how you can't overcome spiritual wounds with natural remedies. And the truth of the matter is, yes, it was a, a natural thing that happened to me. It was a physical thing that happened, but every, all, every effect was spiritual, it was internal. You know, the shame, the bondage, the fear, everything that I dealt with was a spiritual thing. And so mm -hmm. I kept trying to use these natural remedies to overcome my spiritual wounds and it didn't work. <laughs> so, yeah, you definitely can't suppress. You definitely have to surrender over everything to God and allow him to work through those issues. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's awesome that you were able to reach to that place, not only to um, be able to talk about it. And like you said, with um, your family members, but then also be able to write about it and have yeah. total strangers looking in 
to your life, right? right so to speak. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes people say they get, yeah, they get to a point and they're like, okay, I'm going to stop right here. Right. And that's yeah. my business. I, I don't need to tell anybody else because I don't Come want on. them. Right. Because again, the shame, right? I don't want them looking at me a certain kind of yeah. way. I don't want them saying, oh, mm-hmm. when I, when they see me, that's the X, Y, Z. It's like, no, don't put yeah. a label on me, you know, because I'm, right. I'm free. Like you said, and we that's can see right. that. Um, if you guys ever mm-hmm. heard her just mm-hmm. see, just, okay. I know this ain't part of the script, but whatever. It's my podcast. <laughs> this girl can sing. Do you hear me? And when I say sing, I'm so talking about just take you to another place. Of, <laughs> of, so and to me, that's just really from the from the pit of your soul, you oh, know yeah. that God oh, yeah. has delivered you because you can just hear it through, through your voice. Oh, yeah. So can yeah. you just sing a little something? for our listeners just a little something okay (laughs) for your glory i will do anything just to see you so behold you as my kid i want to be where you are I gotta be where you are. I wanna be where you are. I gotta be where you are. It's for your glory. I will do anything just to see you. To be hard to my king. Amen. Woo. Girl, that thing just give me chills anytime I hear you sing. Aww. Thank you. And I'm telling Thank you, those you, were Lord. the places, those were the moments, those were the times. And a lot of people, you know, not to get off subject, but a lot of people ask me, you know, like, why are you so passionate in worship? Why, you know, why are you, you know, some people are like, why do you do so much? Why do you, and it just takes me back to, you know, the alabaster boxes. Like, you don't know the cost of the worship. Mm. Like, you don't know the weight, you know, people see the anointing and they see when you get up there and they see when you pour it out, but they don't know the moments where I was in my room and I was crying out to God and I was in a worship and it wasn't a microphone. It wasn't a stage. It wasn't a congregation. It was just me and my father. And as I was pouring out to him, he was pouring into me. So those places mm. where I was empty, he would fill up and, you know, it's like, you know, and that's what I tell other praise and worship leaders. It's the overflow. It's the, it's not pouring from an empty cup, but it's the, what God pours into us. That's what we're pouring mm. out to you guys. So, you yeah. know, through my, through my healing and through my journey of healing, which God is still taking me through. I feel like it's a forever journey. Um, you know, that's what I pour out. I pour out those times when I'm with my father and when he fills me up and the great exchange happens when I feel heavy and when I feel, you know, shame trying to creep back in or I feel the voice of the enemy trying to silence me again. He reminds me in his presence. He reminds me in worship that, you know, I've called you, I've chosen you and, you know, you are who I say you are. You're not shame. You're not a victim. You're not, you know, a victim of molestation, but you're an overcomer. So, you know, that's what I'm reminded in his presence and in worship. And 
you just answered my first question, my last <laughs> final question, which is, which is what yeah. would be your advice <laughs> to those dealing with the effects? And so I tell you, you, you definitely took us there. <laughs> yes. I didn't even have to answer the question. Ask the Look question. You just went straight there, girl, and you took us there. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. So yes. if people wanted to reach out to you, if they wanted to purchase your book, I mean, how can they find you? Absolutely. Well, you can find me, number one, you can find me on all social media outlets. Um, if you want to find me on Instagram, my Instagram name is at Samantha C. Scott. And if um, you want to go on my website, you can purchase my book on my website and you can find me at www.samanthacscott.com. Um, also, if you're looking for me on Facebook, it's Samantha Scott. It's simple. You just look for Samantha Scott everywhere <laughs> and you can find me there. You can purchase my book on my website as now. Um, following next week, you'll be able to purchase it on Amazon. Um, so, And I also will be coming out with some new music as well. And you'll be able to find that on my website as well. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And they just got a sneak peek. And of course, if you if you want to hear it just and be in the presence, just Come to one of our services, Turning yes, Point Church. Yes, absolutely. That's <laughs> like I said, my sister in Christ. So just come. You can yes. see her live. It's not Memorex, like they used to say. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening, letting us yes, know you guys you go get the me. book. Yes. yes. Go get the book and definitely um, let her pour into you through what she's been through in her yeah. journey as well. Yeah. If a tree falls in the house by yeah. Samantha Scott. Amen.